Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. All right, we see a few of you guys popping in. Thank you. Um, this eventually is going to be Civilized Barking Podcast. This is our live room. Pre-draft. Uh, we tried to do this last Friday afternoon. If you were one that came in and asked questions, thank you. But um, I messed something up. And as I was telling Jason, instead of going detail by detail on the second try to trail my steps, I just got mad. And I did the same thing again. And we couldn't get alive. <laughs> and all of that. So, listen, if, if it was an urgent press conference, uh, if this was an urgent draft for the Browns with all sorts of buzz and intrigue uh, early, then we would we would be more on top of it, right? We'd be more in detail and we would have already done this. But um, it's still important, you know, and, and we'll see. I think the Cavs will be playing Friday night during the draft. So um, we'll maybe. see how, how – may, Maybe. Determined. Right, right. But, Jason, I just wanted to kind of catch up. I'm – you know, we last did this as we were leaving the owners' meetings, so going on four weeks ago. Um, I think maybe ex- just a little short of exactly four weeks ago. At the time, we had talked stadium. We had talked just kind of the busy, busier than expected March that the Browns had. Um, you know, anything comes to your mind there? Because we, I don't even think you'd written your stadium column yet. I think you were on your way to doing it when we did it. So, yeah, obviously, there's been a lot of news on the stadium. Some of it swatted down, batted down. I think we're at the point right now where it's hard to decipher fact from fiction. Uh, I do believe that if they do stay at the current site, it is going to take a massive overhaul as uh, Jimmy and D both alluded to at the owners meetings. I, I, I can think of a lot better uses for lakefront property than putting a stadium there that you use 10 times a year, but it doesn't sound like that's changing anytime soon. I just don't think that there's funding for it really. Um, you know, Mayor Bibb came out last week pretty strongly and said he's not using general funds for maintenance. He did say maintenance. Uh, uh, he didn't say building or re- reconstructing. He did say maintenance. But it doesn't sound like there's and, – and, and frankly, that's been sort of recent history is if you want it, you go build it, is what a lot of cities have told these owners. And, you know, we've talked about it before. Stan Cranky footed the bill. He, he built the whole thing in L.A., spent $5 billion on that. Uh, Arthur Blank in Atlanta put up, I think it was about half or more for the the dome in, in Atlanta. Minnesota was half or so by the ownership. And I just, Zach, I did not get the impression at the owners meetings that Jimmy had any uh, motivation or, or any desire to put up that much when he was asked point blank about what if the city comes back and says they want a retractable dome. He kind of laughed, was half joking, half not, said, well, how much money is the city putting up? So I don't think he really wants to go there in terms of spending. So it, it just it's the best you can do with what you have in terms of remodeling what they already have. Yeah, I think, um, you know, what came across your Twitter screens and laptop screens and whatever was, um, you know, in the last 10 days or so was premature 
at best. What what level of accuracy there was or will be to that, I don't know. I think some of it was flat out wrong. I think some of it was in the ballpark and just mature, uh, premature, like I said. I mean, as we mentioned last week, Jason, I think it finally feels like the Browns offseason, right? We got Clark County or Harris County, Texas uh, police filings. We got all sorts of fake or half fake news flying across Twitter. Yeah. And not with the draft they are back in the news. So um, I don't think you can decipher too much. Uh, my one takeaway from Andrew Barry's press conference was that, and, and this goes to Stefanski too, which we've talked about. I, I think both of them are aware. I think they've been nudged to actually answer questions and actually make themselves seem human in, in these environments. <laughs> do, you, do you agree with that? It can only help them. Yes, I do agree with it. And I think it can only help them. I think everybody's probably feeling it a little bit. And this is typically what happens uh, pre-firings is executives, coaches start looking for allies in the media. And I think that's what's happening here. I, I don't think it's a bad strategy. And I hope it doesn't come to that. You know, I hope the Browns right. get off to a, a good start and everyone keeps their jobs. And But this this obviously is a very, very, very big year. Uh, if this goes sideways again, uh, this could get really ugly in terms of players wanting out, coaches thrown out, GMs thrown out. So there's a there's a lot at stake and a lot riding on this season. Yeah, I think now as you dive into the draft, I think there's some mystery among fans and, and really among us. How much influence does Paul DePodesta have? Does he run the team? Does Andrew Barry run the team? How much influence do the Haslam's have? Um Jason, I think one thing you can, and, and we were both already there, but I think one thing you can fairly gather from the quarterback market is that the Deshaun contract was and is going to be an outlier. And so for a team that's so into numbers and so into market value and getting ahead and has retained so many of their own guys and done so at numbers that they feel like are friendly to the team now and in the future, um, to have that contract be done the way it did shows you that probably the GM didn't do that contract. Probably ownership did it right. Because that would completely contradict everything that the GM and Paul DePodesta have done with the other contracts. So that's we'll probably see. a fair assumption. That's yeah. probably a fair assumption. And the other fair assumption is if this would go sideways or if this even goes partially sideways, let's say Watson plays well and let's say it is a much better season. It just doesn't go. We know who has the power guys. And it's not the GM, it's not the chief strategy officer, it's not the head coach and play caller, it's the quarterback, because yep. he's here for a long time. So, we will see. Um, if you have questions, fire them in the chat. Like I said, there's not a lot of pressing Browns things. I just posted, probably two hours ago, maybe not even that, my three-layer mock draft, where I took Dane Brugler's expertise and his Browns predictions. I made my own Browns predictions, as well as what I would do. Uh, I think it's probably the deepest draft thing we've gotten into in terms of, you know, what I think the fits are, what we're pretty convinced the Browns are looking for based on the last three drafts, you know, where they might go. Uh, I'm fully prepared to be surprised. I think there's probably one large surprise in that three layer mock draft for, for you guys. Um, look, they're going to add defensive linemen. It is, it was a huge miss last year. It's a group that was reconstructed right away in the first day of free agency. Um, at least partially, but that's not done. It's the, the pass rushing piece, the guys on the edge, those are those are premium players that are hard to find. You can find them um, through different layers of the draft historically, you know, more than you can find offensive tackles, quarterbacks, some of the other corners, you know, some of the other premium positions. 
but the Browns need to keep stocking that room. And then we'll see, you know, are they willing to go bigger at defensive tackle, both in resources and in physical mass? You know, if it is a surprise, are they suddenly going to show us that they think the linebacker position is valuable? Would they go back to the well on corner? Um, if the right receiver, the Mims kid from Oklahoma is there, it's at 74, would, would they take him? I think they would. So we'll see. So, like I said, there is some intrigue, but we know Barry's going to move around. We know there's a handful of specific needs. But, you know, I think this is a front office that treats the draft, especially one where they don't have a pick in the first two rounds and, and did so consciously, obviously. Um, as its own entity, they want to add young players with certain traits, and they want to see. And and with Perry on Winfrey, Jason, there's no reason for him to be on the team. He's been an embarrassment. I think, you know, it is right to follow the protocol and find out what really happened, right? But I think they haven't done it yet as far as releasing him because I don't think they want further spotlight on their their previous bad drafting as they're about to go do it again. Yeah, he's certainly not here by September. I I, I don't believe I'd be shocked if he's still on this team by final cuts. Maybe he doesn't even make it to camp. I agree with you. You got to go let the legal process play out. You can't do anything premature, but at the same time, I I don't know that there's, you know, we knew he had maturity issues. We knew he had a lot of growing up to do and you couldn't make it through one off season without winding up in the headlines again. And that, that just does not bode well uh, for me. But one thing I wanted to ask you, they got eight picks now. I don't think they're drafting eight players. So look into your crystal ball. I've not had a chance to read your story that you posted today. I just literally walked in the door and hit go on this. I've been out all day, but how many players do you think ultimately they draft this weekend and what round is their first pick in? You know, I, I'm not going to rule out eight. I wouldn't draft eight because there's not room for them. Um, they will draft in the middle of the third round, whether or not that's 74 or not. I don't know. I think for the costs of a five, they would go up for the right pass rusher. If they feel like they're going to need to. Um, I think ideally it, at 74, 98, or 111, they want to go down. They want to add those picks for the future to to have that flexibility, which they've done. I, again, like I said, I think they view this as, as its own entity, and they have their way of doing it. And he's made multiple trades in each of the first three three drafts. So one of them's already been made because the Elijah Moore trade got him here to 74, right? But um, you know, if they do draft eight guys, then it is double up at wide receiver and or defensive end. Then it is look at a quarterback that maybe – you can develop and trade in a year or two or kind of fits the system you want to come in. I mean, we know, and this doesn't just go for the Browns. This goes for any team. If you have to play your backup more than a couple of games, you're screwed. But you, And this is part of the reason Josh Dobbs is back. I think a big part of it is chemistry reasons and likability reasons. Um, you know, you need a guy that can be competent, that does you that can run a similar offense that has a similar, similar skill set so you could at least stay afloat if a guy gets a concussion, a high ankle sprain, something that's a couple of games, right? Any team, nine out of 10 teams that play a season, half a season without their quarterback don't make the playoffs, right? I know that the Niners are kind of a an outlier. They're the anomaly on that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it is the most important position in sports, which is why the Browns are where they are, right? Because they didn't have one for 40 years, and then they made that trade 13 months ago. So, um you know, there is something to be said for, for continuing to stab at a lot of players and hope that they hit. Now, we can be critical and, and realistic about the hit rate here, but I think going back to Sashi Brown's drafts, Dee Podesta's first drafts, they just took volumes of guys, and they drafted terribly for the most part. But they, yeah. they took a lot of guys, and they said, we'll put them in the pipeline. Um, frankly, that pi- pipeline is not what it should be, what they want it to be, especially based on the way 
they have drafted focusing on traits and, and youth and things like that. But, you know, if you make eight picks or even nine picks, we'll see. And, you know, I think last year could still be a good draft. I think the world of Martin Emerson, I think Jerome Ford has a chance to be a player for this team. I think Cade York is going to be the kicker and be a good one for, for a long time. And, and, you know, frankly, that would constitute a decent draft. Alex Wright can be a backup in that mold, right? Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, like I said, it, it's just you're just not going to get a lot of sizzle uh, externally anytime you don't pick till 74. Right. Anytime you look and say, hey, you know, most of these position groups for September are set. But, you know, things can change quickly and we'll see. Um, but, yeah, it, you know, it, pretty clear edge rush and just adding players to the pipeline because with a new coordinator and still I think some snaps to be won at some other positions, um, you know, it, it wouldn't be a surprise to see three or four rookies help this team. It just feels like more than six of them are not going to make it on August 30th. I tend to agree with that. That's why I don't think they're making eight picks. And, you know, you point to the draft last year and it could end up being a good draft. I do I do believe we all get better the longer we do things, right? Like I'm a better writer, hopefully, than I was 20 years ago. You're a better reporter and writer than you were when you first started. Andrew Barry, I think it's fair to believe, has gotten better and maybe learned from some misses early on. I mean, he's been, what, four drafts now? This so is four drafts. This is four, yeah. So you'd think the longer that you do something, the more you tweak your system and you learn what you're – what works, what doesn't, things that you thought were true that were true and lean into those and things that you thought were true that weren't true that you know not to look at the next time around. So, you know, I do have hope and optimism that the more that these guys do this, the better they get at it. Uh, but I'm just wondering, do you think going into the second round is unrealistic? What would a trade, would it take both threes? What would a trade into the second round look like in terms of what you have to give up? Yeah, it would take a lot. Um now, really, the end of the f- end of round two is only eleven spots, but you know, in the realm of how teams build their draft boards, that's generally that, right? I-, I remember one year, about five or six years ago, the Eagles and Ravens made a trade, like the week of the draft, and the trade involved in like pick number eighty-eight, and I just thought, well, the Ravens think there's eighty-eight good players in this draft. Yeah, you know, um, I think the gist of of reading and talking to people that I've been able to. Is this is not like a top sizzle bunch of blue trips draft, but it is a strong draft for depth for teams that um, want corners, um, that want pass rushers that are sitting with a lot of picks in the second, third, and fourth round. So, you know, because the Browns made the Elijah Moore trade, I have a hard time believing there is one player that they would need to go up 13, 15, 18 spots for. But, you know, when I look at, at Zach Harrison and Isaiah McGuire, as, as, as the most likely targets at defensive end, you know, going up five spots if they think they need to is not out of the question. It really isn't. So, um, and then, like I said, I mean, when you're at 98, you, you can go either way. So um, we'll see. We'll see on that. I, well, I, I like your point about, about Barry in, in the past. I, I think some smart people have kind of made that point of like, look, he's young. He's made some mistakes. And so as we judge the Browns, it's it's fair to say that, okay, are they going to get better? Should you know more? Um, and should there be better systems of everything, both of your actual draft systems, which we know the Browns build out years in advance with all these data employees that they have, and in just in your communication with your coaches, with your head scouts, which how you want to go. 
I think it goes back, Jason, to the conversation you and I had with an offensive player at the end of the year um, when the shit was hitting the fan on the defensive side. And he was kind of like, well, you know, we, we got to get better. And we obviously are going to be a different offense with having Deshaun in the full time. But we can do what the defensive guys are doing, which is bitch and complain and point fingers. Or we can say we got to get back in the spring and work our ass off and, and go forward. And I think that's how you look at it. Like, this could be a good Browns team. I think we all believe that. Yeah. Obviously, Deshaun Watson and Jim Schwartz um, are, are at the front of that list, right? This could also be a bad Browns team that makes you feel like it's the same bad organization that's well behind the best organizations. And if it isn't a good season, then we all wonder what's going to happen in January. Yep. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I got one more for you on moving around the board that I just thought of. Obviously, we've talked about the importance of this year, and they have to be all in on this year, and they have to get this right, and they have to win. Da, 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 da. They don't have a fourth next year. Is that of any concern? I think, right, they traded the fourth of the Deshaun deal. I think it's the only round where they got a hole for next year. What do you think the odds are that they move any of these picks? Because it, it feels like a surplus of picks to me. Do they move a four this year for a four next year? It, 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 that has been – yeah, in two of his three dra- drafts, he's traded involving fourth-round picks. Um, Quasi went to the Vikings and made a trade in his own division in the fourth round. That tells me the way they model things tells you that's where trade action happens. So, yeah. yes. Um, I just scanned these, and I see the question from Chris, Christoph, your first impression of Jim Schwartz. You know, it's strong, Christoph, and, and I think I've said, you know, most encouraging is this is not a guy who needed this job. This is a guy who was willing to do this, saw the right players, believed in this organization, came back. Uh, but honestly, our first impressions are not not beyond that. We have not had any contact with him. We have not been in the building for that. And the offseason program started last week, but it's just conditioning. There is no on-field work until, I believe, a week from today, maybe even two. And there are no actual practices the OTA practices until the back part of May. So it is a layered program. And last week meant the guys could come back in the building and do football activities and have team meetings and talk with their coaches. But as far as like what Jim Schwartz is doing and actually taking it to the field, that's still weeks away. And then any results are um, a week away. If if you know me, I'm not ever going to get too excited about what goes on in the offseason stuff, but but it is important. And I think behind Deshaun Watson, um, obviously playing to, or at least in the zip code of his pay grade, um, the Browns knew last September they should have fired Joe Woods. And the season was a mess, and they got off the rails real quickly. And they're committed to these players, a bunch of them, right? They've gotten rid of the ones they weren't committed to. So there's always been a huge bet on Jim Schwartz coming in and cleaning up fundamentals and making a big difference in terms of maximizing the talent on hand um, cleaning up some of the bullshit on and off the field because we know a lot of it funnels through the defensive side um, and and then saying, okay, we're a much better defense. They're not, you know, being a top three defense is not going to win them the Super Bowl, right? But being a top 12 defense that doesn't melt down and let receivers run uncovered is a big key to get into the playoffs. So um, we will I, I see. Wanna, 
All right, let's get down to uh, – I saw a question from Samantha. Outside of running back, is there a position maybe can draft to replace a core piece in a few years because of money, D-line, corner, or guard? I think they're in pretty good shape in terms of corner. Guard, we've talked before, Batonio and, and Wyatt, you can't keep paying guards $30, 35000000 million when you're paying your quarterback as much as they are. I don't know that there is an adequate replacement. You know, I was told Nick Harris is too small to play guard. He played some guard in college, but he's really more of a center. So I don't know that they really have a guard in waiting there. But I'll go back to the start of that question. I don't pay a ton of attention to mock drafts. I don't. I, I just. I just don't care. I think most of them are a waste of time. But I was talking to somebody the other day who said the Browns keep getting mocked a running back in the third round, and that struck me as odd. Am I cra- like? Would they really? I just a did running it. Back? You just, did, just it. did it. Okay, now yeah. explain that. Why? Um, why? Why a running back in the third round? Nick Chubb next year is due sixteen million cap number or four million dead to not be on the team. So you're either redoing Nick Chubb or you're letting him go after this year. Wow. Um, Teller and Batonio are both at 20 million ish for next year. Amari's at 23 to play for you or or 11 to not play for you. Najoku's at 18. Conklin's at 12. And Wills is about to get locked in at 14.7, which you could locked in in pencil because it could be negotiated into a long term deal. So who on this offense isn't coming back? Uh, we don't cool. know that answer. <laughs> no, we don't know that answer, but we're, I, I could say confidently you know. they're not all coming back. Correct. Correct. So you've got some serious cat gymnastics and at least one notable deletion. So we'll see. I mean, David Njoku, $18 million. <laughs> I know you guys love him because he warms up with no shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me, I don't know if we've discussed this. I mentioned this on other platforms, but I don't know what you and I talk about this. And it struck me in terms of the Greg News. I don't care if Greg Newsom asked for a trade or not. I don't care. I tend to believe he probably did. Uh, but I, it doesn't matter because they're not going to trade him anyway. There's there's mm-hmm. no motivation for them to do With it. You. Yeah. But is there any – what do you think – is there any way that they go to him? Because we all know after they signed Austin Hooper, they draft Harrison Bryant, Njoku wanted out, and they got him to buy back in. And I, I don't know this. I'm just spitballing. Is, do they go to him at any point and say, listen, get back in the boat. Help us out. Do what you do, and we're going to make you whole when the time is right. And could they do the same? Because obviously Greg is concerned about being paid like a slot corner instead of an outside guy. Could they go to Greg and say the same thing of, listen, we did it with David. We'll do it with you. Get back in the boat. Play the way that we know you're capable of doing. Perform in the role that is asked of you because you're under contract and you have no choice. And when it's time, we're going to make you whole, and we don't necessarily have to pay you like slot corners typically get paid. Or am I or am I just totally crazy on that? No, I think you're absolutely in the ballpark of what happened. Don't know the details on that conversation. As we both said, you don't um, employ Drew Rosenhaus to get the Mr. Hero endorsement or the Giant right. Eagle endorsement, right? right. Um, but you're right. It doesn't matter. They're not trading him. They just drafted him. He's 22 years old. Um, and his cap number the next two years is only $4 million. In total, total barely eight for two years, right? I think it's three-something this year and four-something next year. He's not even eligible for an extension. So, yes, I don't think that they, when they drafted him last year, I don't think they saw Martin Emerson passing him. Totally and maybe agree. Martin Emerson didn't pass. I think they eventually found out Martin Emerson was more ready to play than they thought. They did consciously, because they tri- they moved on from Troy Hill, they did consciously make Greg the slot corner. Um, he didn't play all slot, but he was, he was the guy. They don't have another guy. A.J. Green is a special teams player. All right, they're trying to develop this Thomas Graham. We'll see if that happens, but... 
Greg is still the slot corner. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's those are the conversations you need to have. I think this is a part of this new era of Browns football where guys are actually getting paid. So, I mean, Jason, as I've said, you've been in locker rooms in different sports for a long, long time. It didn't matter whether it was the Cavs in 2016 or Ohio State in 2001. Everybody else knew everybody else in the locker room's salary, right? Yep. So um, I think these are the things you go go with. And I think, yeah, I think they might have said, look, we'll get you taken care of. Or maybe a year from now they do trade Greg Newsom. Frankly, I think they wanted to trade Greg Newsom or Wyatt Teller this year. But neither one of them had the kind of season to make the value even close to what it was. So those guys are more valuable to the Browns than they are to any other team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, corner is the one area where they have the most depth. I don't think that rules out drafting more corners in the draft, especially because you don't have a true slot corner, especially because you don't know if Greg's going to request a trade. Right. right. Greg has missed a handful of games each year. So is Denzel. Like this, this is what happens. Corners are the smallest guys on the field and they are involved in high speed collisions 50 times a game. Right. They are running all out sprints on 60 of the 80 snaps in a game. Like, you know, they, you need corners to play against Jamar Chase, right? You need corners to play against George Pickens, who you wouldn't draft last year for character reasons when he took on Deshaun Watson. <laughs> like, so we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I think some of it, I think the Browns and Greg consciously chose to address it, whether that was 100% truthful or not. But I think that, that came after the idea of, yes, this, this will get right and, and we'll see. And, you know, to go back to Perrion, not that, it, not that it's one ounce the same, but there is a correlation. There is a sliding scale between how much unnecessary drama you have in a season and what kind of season you have. Absolutely. Right. And the Browns didn't field an onside kick last year and, and miles wrecked his car and, you know, all sort Anthony Walker turned out to be apparently the most valuable linebacker in the history of modern football. <laughs> you know, like all of these things happen and the Browns didn't really respond to any of them. So, um, Let's get to the Cavs here for a couple minutes. Thank you guys for logging in. Um, you know, it's not one thing, Jason. They, they've flat out gotten their ass kicked. <laughs> um, but if you got to pick one that's most alarming or most the cause for said ass kickings, what do you think it is? I mean, I, I, a lot of people obviously are going to go to the rebounding and the fact that Jared Allen keeps getting pushed around. And that's all true and fair. And I have no – I have no – complain on that or I have no disagreement on that but to me we we knew from October November this team was going to go where the guards take them so I put it on Donovan and Darius they have to play better Donovan was terrible in New York Darius has been terrible uh Darius hasn't been terrible but he's been below par outside of one game in the first five minutes of the third quarter really the entire third quarter yesterday so I put this on them and there's you know, for a lot of people that are screaming about JB and want JB fired and all that, and I get it, and I don't agree with everything he's done. I don't understand why he keeps going back to Ricky Rubio. But um, the fact is, they've got like seven rotational players, and that's it. And that's counting Danny Green as a rotational player who can barely get up and down the floor. There's just no depth to this team. There's no shooting on this team at all. Um, and in the NBA, you have to have shooting. You, you've got to have shooting if you're going to go anywhere in the playoffs. And, you know, I'll go back to the 2016 team that won the championship and obviously they had LeBron and obviously they had Kyrie and they drove everything, but you had two guys who could get to the basket. And what did they do? They spread the floor around them with guys like Kevin Love and Channing Fry and J.R. Smith and Kyle Korver and just shooter, 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 spread the floor with shooters. It opens everything up. And right now the Cavs 
don't have an open floor because they're playing two guys, Evan Mobley and, and Jared Allen, who are not three-point shooters. They want Evan Mobley to be one, but he's, he's not, not yet anyway. And then when you put Okoro out there, now you have three defenders in the paint because nobody's scared of him shooting the corner three. So it's, it's, there's a lot of the, – the, this postseason obviously has exposed a lot of issues. We knew that they didn't have a lot of depth. We knew that already. We knew they didn't have size. I wrote that two weeks left in the season. Uh, guys, they don't have any bigs to play off the bench. Dean Wade has been a massive disappointment since they got rid of Kevin Love. He's not been able he – can't, he can't put him on the floor. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be a big with size who can rebound and make threes, and they can't even get him on the floor right now. So I and it's they they have no assets to fix this. That's the that's the most troubling thing. They pushed all in on Donovan, um, and and like marketing Abaji, all the number ones that they traded, all of it went to Utah. So for people screaming, why didn't they make a move at the deadline? Well, it's because they had nothing to trade. Kevin yeah. Love was not a tradable piece with the contract that he had. He's much more appealing on the buyout market than he is as a trade piece at $30 million salary. Karis Levert has no trade value when he's in the last year of his deal. They had literally zero first round picks to trade. They could not trade a first. People want to scream about it. They had to go get Josh Hart. Well, the Knicks gave up a protected first round pick for him. The Cavs didn't have that. So I don't know where they turn to fix this roster in the future. Uh, with no, still no real tradable assets unless you're digging into your core, and they very much consider Jared Allen to be part of their core going forward. So it's 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 a tough ask, but they've got to find more shooting, and they obviously have to find more more uh, more depth on this on this bench. Yeah, I mean, I, I know why they couldn't, but it, it, at this point, it feels like this series was decided at the deadline. Well. Yeah, I mean, Josh Hart goes to the Knicks at the deadline, and obviously he's played a huge role for them. And the Knicks just have more. I mean, the Knicks have nine rotational pieces that they can just yes. keep running out at you. No doubt. And no doubt. and the Cavs, I mean, Jenny Osmond should be a ninth man in a rotation. Isaac Okoro should be an eighth or a ninth man in a rotation. And you're relying on these guys to play heavy minutes. And I've been advocating for Danny Green to play, knowing realistically on the Knicks, Danny Green is the 10th, 10th player, 11th player in the rotation. But the Cavs. If it's me, I'm starting him at the three, and I know it sounds crazy, but I I like Karras in the reserve role and the shooting that he provides because they don't have any depth and they don't have any shooting coming off the bench if you start him, and at least Danny isn't overwhelmed by the moment and can make an open three. He just can't yeah. get up and down the floor. No, I agree. Um, you know, overwhelmed is is what it seems like on the sideline. Yeah, playing um, scared. Yeah, and then you know, like Mitchell Robinson was a non-factor for two games and all of a sudden he's all over the place. Like it just feels like the energy is, is all on the other team's sideline. It just, it just does. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I didn't like the matchup in the first place. Ken made fun of me for it. Ken Carmen made fun of me because I wasn't going to pick the series, but I did not like this matchup. I didn't like how physical the Knicks were up front. And some of that has borne out. Uh, Julius Randall's not had a good series, but boy, have they pushed around Mobley and Allen inside. Yeah. And, uh, it's just it's they're in a tough spot right now. Hopefully they win one thing, get the series back to New York on Friday, but I don't see I, it going beyond that. Well, I, I will say this, and this sounds absurd, I know. But if they win, right, the home team's not supposed to be down three one. Right. But if they win Wednesday, the pressure does all go on the Knicks. To close out at home, sure. Yes. Yes. Because you don't want that looming. So we'll see. We'll see. Um back to the Browns for a minute. Again, guys, it just just earlier this afternoon, my three-layer mock draft went. We'll see. If I get one right, I'm a genius, frankly. 
a lot of crapshoot, but I feel like there was some some depth and reasoning both on why Dane Brugler, who really knows the stuff inside and out by both by why he made the selections he made and why I agreed or disagreed with them. And, you know, we're going to be back in full Browns coverage mode. We got a couple other, you know, standard pre-draft things uh, dropping on the site this week. And then when they do start on Friday night, we'll have every pick covered and, and the full there. So if you got asking Jackson questions, tweet them to me. Probably we'll do another podcast. Um, because gosh, everybody else in the league is getting is gearing their pre-draft coverage till Thursday. We just had a big meeting this morning. Mine doesn't start till Friday at nine. So maybe do another podcast. We'll get to them. Um, glad to do it. We appreciate you guys reading and listening and hopping in here. So uh, thanks for listening. And um, you know, hopefully on Wednesday night you get a better basketball product to watch. And then on Friday, hopefully you got to follow the Browns while you're following the Caps. So um, thanks everybody, and talk to you soon.